This is Client Side from Fox Agency. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Marie Bergfeld is a skilled marketing communications expert, passionate about communication and its importance, with a long experience from working strategically and operationally in multicultural and cross-functional environments. The background spans both B2B and B2C marketing communications, leading teams with energy, results orientation, loyalty, and a positive attitude to deliver high quality on time and on budget. She is skilled in campaign planning and coordination, rebranding and brand guardianship and product launches. Marie Bergfeld, welcome to ClientSide. Thank you, Nathan. Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. You get your degree in marketing from the IHM Business School in 1989, and you spent most of your professional life in marketing communications roles in large, complex B2B organizations. Was that always the plan that you had for your career since you left university? Yes, it was. I'm passionate about communication, as you said, and the effect it has on people, not only in business relationships, but in any part of your life where communication is really an important part. Hmm. You've held senior marketing positions for companies like Global Refund Group and Global Blue before joining BOPS, which we'll talk about in a moment. What did you take away from those other experiences that now shape the way that you think about marketing and communications today? I've worked in global international organizations all my life. And what I've learned is that there are more similarities than differences between different nationalities, different cultures. Many people often say, well, it's so special here in my country, we need to do it differently. But that is actually not correct. There are very, very many similarities between different people. More similarities than they are than they are different, which is which is super fascinating. Human nature, I guess, which which we can talk about a little bit later. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about Bops. You joined Bops in 2016 as global product communication lead. What first attracted you to the company? The packaging industry to be honest i didn't know that much about it before but when bobs came on the radar i started investigating what it actually was and packaging is amazing go to the supermarket and look on the shelves there is packaging 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 mm. whether there are boxes or there are bags or anything it's everything is has has some kind of package mm. and it's uh, it's it's amazing to see how this is um, produced, how it's manufactured, how our direct customers, meaning the uh, the converters, those who are making the packages, they are usually very unknown to people. Mm. The brand owners, the one who are, are producing the goods to put in the in the boxes or in the packages, they are well known to to anyone. Mm. But the package itself, it's it's really an amazing business. It really is. And a, a huge one. Um, Bob's are one of the largest uh, organizations in, in the world of your kind. You're the world's actually leading uh, supplier of equipment and services to packaging and label manufacturers. Tell us a little bit more about the company. What problems do you solve for your customers? I myself work for the aftermarket, the, the service organization. And for our customers, there are four things that are key to them. 
It's productivity. It means getting as many packages out of the machine as possible. It's availability of the machine. It cannot be down. It has to to run very often 24-7. There is quality. Of course, the packages has to come out with the quality that the brand owner accepts and expects to, to receive. And which is on top of everyone's mind for the moment, sustainability. Mm. We have to be smarter in what we do. And then being in the after-sales after or the aftermarket service organization, these are exactly the things that we can help our customers to, to overcome and support them in being as productive with as high quality as possible. So this is our every everyday subjects to to talk about how we can support our customers here really fascinating you become head of marketing portfolio and communications in 2018 what things were top of your agenda when you first started in the role to align the service and product offering uh worldwide across the world uh we had it was bit scattered it worked in one way in one country and in another way in another country but many of our customers are multinational just as we are and they they expect to receive the same service in all countries mm-hmm. but they expect to receive the same products in all countries of course but also to enhance the the communication that we were giving to our customers to ensure that they receive the same message everywhere. Hmm. And I think for anyone who's working in a technical company, it's very, very easy to focus on features. Sure. This thing can do this. Uh, it's, it's this long. It has this color, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But what is really... Fall in love the, with the product. Exactly. <laughs> but what yeah. is really the benefit for the customer? Uh, so hmm. that has been... One of my key things to always, always question what is the benefit? What is the benefit for the customer by choosing this a little bit longer or a little bit shorter thing or whatever it is? Mm. Um, So this has been my focus since I joined. It is amazing how founders and entrepreneurs and product people kind of miss that really crucial part of the communications element. It's what is the value to the customer? It's all well and good falling in love with the product and the features, but ultimately somebody else has to buy it, use it, implement it. And what is the value to them? And it, it so often gets missed. Exactly. And that that's actually what people pay for or customers pay for. Sure. <laughs> it's it's the benefits. It's it's not the color or the, the, the shape or, or whatever it is. Yeah. And that job, your job is made even more complicated by the fact that you have 9,000 customers. They're all over the world. They're often in remote locations and there are nuances and variations in how people want to be communicated with, you know, in North America versus Japan versus uh, somewhere else in, in the Middle East, let's say. How do you talk and communicate to everyone on a regular basis to make sure that everyone's getting the same high quality customer experience where we i mean there is always a a, a basic main message the benefits are the same to all customers i would say uh, worldwide then how you express it can then be different of course i mean the americans we know have a much more direct uh, a little bit more harsh language i might say (laughs) sure 
It's very diplomatic. <laughs> well, the Japanese are super polite and diplomatic and uh, sure. where you can't even say no. Uh, you always say yes, even if you mean no. Uh, <laughs> uh, and on that part, we do get uh, local input to to finalize the messages in uh, for the um, for the market it has of course i mean from a resource perspective can't be a too small a market if i say so mm. i mean it's difficult to to tailor a message to to luxembourg uh, which is a very small market mm. or to iceland for that sake uh, but for the for the bigger markets we definitely do try to adapt the the messages to fit their their language and then a, a crucial part of this is is this sales effort, right? Because at some point, sales have to get in contact with the customer and have a relationship with them to communicate new product features or whatever sort of messaging that the company wants to communicate. In this environment of COVID-19, where it's even more difficult to see clients face-to-face, I would imagine that your customers were also used to field sales teams physically meeting them that's not possible now how is the dynamic of field sales and communicating through a distributed sales team changed in this environment of COVID-19? Someone said that COVID-19 was the biggest accelerator of digital transformation and I think that is kind of true Mm. Um, both for ourselves and for our customers digital has not been that common uh, but we have all adapted i can see our sales force is much more comfortable with doing um, skype calls webinars and the customers are equally willing to participate in that maybe also because you have more time you spend more time in the office than what we have done before sure or or if, if that's a home office even uh, but any type of digital communication has really been the way of communicating and it, and it has worked fine. Mm. We have sold several, uh, both machines and other equipment, without the customer even seeing it in, mm. uh, in real life, just by presentations online, uh, maybe a virtual demo uh remotely uh, but it, it has worked and it has worked a lot better than I think anyone expected when we went into this uh, situation in March. Fascinating so do you think do you expect that to continue as we have increasingly more vaccines being uh, distributed to us from, from manufacturers around the world as we come out of the pandemic and things start to go back to normal do you expect the way that b2b sales has been done now to continue or do you expect us to go back to the way that things were i I think we there will be a mix i think one of the the things that we are really discussing in the uh, in the packaging industry are the big trade shows Uh, the absolutely biggest trade show was supposed to happen in june this year in 2020 uh, it happens every four years, so it's it's a big one. But it was cancelled this year, moved to next year. But a lot of companies have already 
cancelled their uh, participation. Hmm. And this is one of the, I think, the, the, the touch points where sales have always said it's so important, we get to meet. I think that all these trade shows will change uh, character in the future. They won't be the big ones. We have seen what what it makes, what happens when people are not traveling. Uh, saving cost is one of them, of course, but also the environmental uh, aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we will be completely lacking the physical interaction in the future, but it would definitely be in another way. Mm. So you mentioned touch points there. Let's let's expand on that a little bit because we talked about trade shows a moment ago. You mentioned webinars, the field sales team, the direct field sales team. What other touch points apart from those that we've mentioned are you implementing in the way that you're communicating and building that sort of world-class client services communication proposition? We are... As, as everyone else, I guess, uh, heavily investing in webinars. Uh, we are also developing our demo centers. We call them competence centers uh, for the future to be able to provide both the physical experience if customers decide to come and visit but also to make it into a virtual experience so that the same location, the same site can be used for a virtual experience with customers, which is then customized to an individual customer, or it can be done for a group of customers or many customers for that sake. That is where we put most efforts into now. But also, of course, you know, website is, is, is important. Social media is important. Where we are strengthening our capabilities of uh, communicating and staying in touch with, with customers. Really fascinating. So you mentioned webinars. There are increasingly more and more webinars available to uh, everyone these days online. Uh and a lot of people are getting overburdened with them. How are you approaching the way that you create webinars that enable people to be engaged, differentiate from whatever else is out there, and also attract the caliber and the number of participants that you'd like to have as well? I think that the most important part with webinars is to make them in a way that customers learn something. Mm. Making them into a pure product promotion thing, I think, will be obsolete very soon. Mm. But they, they, it will be difficult to attract customers to join. But if customers can learn something which is not directly related to whatever we want to sell, I am sure that we can maintain the attractiveness of, of customers. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something that many, many companies make as a mistake. I've myself joined several webinars and then when I realize it's just a product promotion, mm. I quit. I see. <laughs> I see. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, stop doing, I'll stop doing those now then. Thanks. Thanks for telling me. <laughs> 
So, so you talk about the sustainability angle because that is something that's on top of many business leaders' agenda. Um, talk a little bit about Bob's approach to creating packaging that is sustainable and that helps us out of this in this uh, environmental quagmire that we all find ourselves in. A, a big part of the the packaging that our machine is making is boxes and very often it's re and that's recyclable i would say paper is recyclable or a carton is recyclable uh, which is already quite good in terms of sustainability but we also have certain product lines that are doing um Plastics, I would say, it's not plastics because that's that's the wrong word. But if you consider a, a crisps bag, for example, mm. that is a material which is less easy to to recycle because it can consist of many different layers, and they could be like a very thin layer of aluminium in there, and that is of course difficult to separate then and recycle in 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 a good way. But there is lots of research ongoing to have these it's called substrates made in a more uh, sustainable way and uh, more environmentally friendly and we are as a company working closely with these substrate uh, manufacturers to have our machines adapted to the new substrates that are coming mm. and we also working closely with with customers and and brand owners to to develop this um, these these new materials that is needed really fascinating just coming back to the covid-19 question as you reflect on the last 9 months of, of the pandemic what are the main things that you've learned from a marketing and communications perspective that you think will be relevant to our listeners digitalization i think is 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 the the key there is digitalization of course as we talked about um, uh, in terms of communication but there is also a digitalization of the machines that we are producing where actually customers can contact us we can connect to a machine remotely and help customers by phone or, or by resetting whatever in, in, a, in a system, but where we don't need to send a technician. This is something that customers have previously always wanted. They want to see a guy coming with, with whatever tools he has right. got, right? To see Makes that he's doing something. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but w- when travel is not possible, we need to solve things in another way. And uh, this has definitely been something that we have learned and customers have learned that it works. So I think this is this is learning we have made and this is something that we will definitely continue developing. We have had remote services for more than 10 years, hmm. but a little bit of a difficulty to get customers <laughs> to accept it because sure. they still want the guy, the guy I know. Yes. The, the John and the James to come and, and look at my machine. Sure. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's, that's not that's, possible now. No, it's not. I was surprised to hear you say in the pre-interview that we had a few weeks ago that some customers still prefer communication via fax. 
And, and that led me to sort of uh, think, well, digital is a continuum. There are those that are early adopters and sort of on top of the new trends and the new apps that are coming out and technology. And there are those that are slightly more traditional. For those ones that are a little bit more stuck in their ways and do prefer a John or a Jane to come into them, how have they adapted to this change? Has it been as easy as those, you know, early adopters, those more tech enabled customers, or have they struggled a little bit more? And how have you helped them? Yes, of course, they have struggled more. But in the end, if there is no choice, uh, it has to happen. And and sometimes I'm, I get to, I'm, I'm Swedish, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I can remember in the, I think it must have been in the early 90s, where Volvo, I come from the same city as Volvo is, has the factory. They stopped making the customer magazine in print and they only had a digital version. That was in the beginning of the 90s, right? It's it's a long time ago. Mm. And everyone said, no, it will never work. And people want to have their magazines. Mm. But they insisted and they were consistent in saying, no, we just do this. Today, no one would even think of making a, a printed customer magazine. Sure. So I think it's a little bit the same thing here, that if there is no choice, eventually customers and, and people will accept it mm-hmm. and will learn that it's it's not bad it's it it really it, it works and um, I think that's the best way of convincing anyone really interesting what what's been the hardest part for you during this whole time of, of COVID-19 personally personally it has been the the lack of energy that I get from other people mm. Working from home is uh, uh, it's, it's 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 very special. It's it's okay. It's different for for for, for single days, but it's when still. it comes into weeks and weeks, it's it's and difficult to keep that. Months. Yes, exactly yeah. to keep that energy level. Hmm. I think that's the biggest challenge. Really fascinating. Uh, final couple of questions, Marie, before we get into our speed round that we ask everyone that comes onto the show, our favorite questions. Um, let's talk a little bit about agency hiring. Um, I know that you've worked with a number of agencies um, over, over, over the years uh, in, in a variety of different roles. Selecting an agency partner is probably one of the most important decisions that any client can make. It's, it's easy to pick up the phone and on the spot hire a new agency, it's far more difficult to find that ideal partner to really reshape the way that you approach marketing communications to really propel the business forward. What's the best way that you found to choose and hire a new agency that can help you do that? Finding an agency is hard work. It's really hard work. For me, it's important to, I mean, first of all, you have to have a shortlist. You have to investigate to get a shortlist and then try to get opinions from your contacts, your peers in, in other companies if they have experiences. So you can even make that shortlist shorter and then have a proper request for proposal with realistic cases uh, that you ask the. Um, the pitch makers to uh, to answer to and then in the end of the day it's a lot about personal chemistry mm. it has to 
feel right to be with these people. Otherwise, I don't think it will work. Hmm. And then when it's close, when you have made that shortlist shorter and you're down to the final two or three, and they're all relatively close, the, the pitch is on brief, they're culturally, they're aligned, you like them all relatively equally, if that's possible. Um, what tends to make the difference when it's close? The chemistry. Mm. It doesn't work as well with all people uh, mm. because we are all individuals, and uh, the chemistry is the last is the last tipping point. Mm. Really interesting. Although brands and and clients like to they appreciate that there are unique skills required to manage an agency. They don't often think about agency management as a distinct discipline that they need to sort of build into their organization. You know, the thinking is almost, well, how hard could it be? Agencies should manage themselves. Uh, it's their own business anyway. We've already paid them. You know, shouldn't they be self-reliant and self-motivated? How do you think about agency management once you've hired the agency and they're part of the team? How do you think about that discipline of managing and getting the best out of your agency, essentially? You have to keep them in the loop all the time informing also of things that i mean we as as customers to an agency we know our company's best we know what is happening there are new development coming up there are new things and changes coming up we have to uh, inform and keep the agency in the loop here so, so that they are part of the daily business more or less not to every detail of course and a very, very regular just feedbacks, touch points, you know, what is happening, what is working, what is not, uh, what do we do next, what's the situation, what's the status. I think that is, uh, it's, it's to keep keep a close, close relationship is, uh, is important. And I also think that there needs to be, uh, depending on organization, of course, but... Uh, uh, direct contact the, the same person doing it hmm. or persons of course if it's bigger but uh, yes i think that's hmm. that's the way i have seen that working with agencies work the best mm-hmm. really really interesting marie I, I could speak to you all day but we're fast running out of time let's get into our speed round these are the questions that i'll um fire some questions at you if you can fire some responses back to me that would be great what's the single biggest thing that you love about working with agencies the creativity the um the energy the uh, look from the outside on what i'm doing what frustrates you or do you dislike about working with agencies it frustrates me when i ask an agency to come up with a suggestion for an activity and they come back with um, the moon a huge project it's so costly it's like everyone knows that this is not realistic Mm. why even bother that's what i can feel really interesting really interesting why do you think they include that then why do they do that is it to anchor you because there's that whole behavioral psychology thing now about anchoring at a high cost but the the price that you really want to present is the one much lower but because you've anchored really high the the lower price actually feels more attainable. 
No, I don't think that, actually. No. I think it is to show their creative ability. Interesting. And and it's... To show up, essentially. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> look, yeah, look at us. Look how amazing we are. Really interesting. Uh, which CMO has the most difficult job in marketing right now? Probably the oil industry hmm. considering the, um, the the climate discussions the uh, sustainability that's probably a tough job today interesting i thought you were going to say the the pfizer cmo or whatever drug company is developing this vaccine because a lot of people are saying that they don't want to take it um so that's quite a, a challenging job yep definitely yeah we all hit a low point from time to time. How how do we how do you motivate yourself? Very good question. I try to do something where I actually deliver. Hmm. Because to me the most important thing is to get something out of my hands. And uh, motive I, I get motivated by that. So when I have a low point, I try to find something that I can quickly deliver and say, yep, done. That is my motivation. If you could live and work anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Uh, probably live and work in the best country in the world. No, not the best country, but in a beautiful <laughs> country. The best country in the world is Sweden. Wow. Uh, but uh, I've been, yes. I agree. Sweden is beautiful. I really love Sweden. Roots are deep, but Switzerland <laughs> is a fantastic country to, to live in. Absolutely. A close second. Not the UK? No? Nowhere on that list? Uh, somewhere, but not uh, <laughs> not number one. Sure. And my final question, Marie, what advice would you give to aspiring marketing communications leaders on how best to navigate their own careers? To make an effort to understand their customers and put yourself in the customer's shoes so that the offering, uh, the, the services, the messages are adapted to the customer. That is the key mm. for any marketing person. Really interesting. Marie, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. If you'd like to share any comments on this episode or any episode of Client Side, then find us online at fox.agency. If you'd like to appear as a guest on the show, please email chloe at fox.agency. The people that make the show possible are Chloe Murray, our booker slash researcher. David Clare is our head of content. Ben Fox is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Client Side from Fox Agency. Join us next time on Client Side, brought to you by Fox Agency.